everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Today we have MC Laubscher with us. So welcome to the show, man. Great to be back and great to connect. I've been looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, man, me too. This is round two. Um, so yeah, if you can start us off a little bit more about you and what you do. Yeah, so I'm a, a, a an investor and an entrepreneur. I started several businesses, but uh, one of the, my businesses that that have reached a lot of folks over the past six years is Cashflow Ninja. It started as a podcast that then went to be downloaded in over 180 countries, you know, millions of downloads, uh, and it turned into a full uh, blown educational company. Um, and then uh, I also have two other businesses. One is an insurance brokerage where we specialize in a cash flow management strategy using life insurance. Folks have heard of it as infinite banking or bank on yourself. Um, that's producers wealth that we help uh, clients in all over 50 states in the United States implement and execute that strategy. And also, I also have a company called Producers Capital Partners, uh, where essentially uh, we um, do syndicated investments in real estate. Um, like in multifamily and in resorts. And we've also done some syndicated uh, investments in uh, energy projects, which have been just absolutely crushing it. Awesome, man. Yeah, no, I remember. Um, so I bought your book actually recently, even though, because I don't know when that book had come out, but I don't know if it was out at the time of our first interview. Um, regardless, I had bought it uh, and I went through actually the whole thing. It was a few months ago. And then I clicked the link in your ebook and I started to actually look more into your programs. And like, I will tell you, at least for somebody in my position, every single um, thing that you offer, I was interested about, <laughs> interested in. So I was like, okay, this is, uh, this is cool. So you're definitely, the language or your marketing copy is right on target. I will tell you that. Um, so first question for you, uh, and then I want to like dive into detail and all this stuff, but what were you doing before this? Like, how did you... Um, I think you said you were you had ran a business or so before. So, like, what led you to where you're at now? Yeah, so um, I am originally from South Africa. So I came here in uh, 2001, which is pretty wild if I think about it now. It's already 2022, 21 years later. Wow. And I was 22 when I came here. But uh, I originally came from South Africa. Um, you know, and I've always been... Because uh, I grew up in South Africa, right? And, and it's it's funny. And this is the reason why I'm going to share this is because it relates to now. I grew up in South Africa during a time that was extremely, extremely um, uh, uncertain. I mean, we literally went from a totalitarian government, you know, the apartheid regime, uh, to essentially Nelson Mandela was released out of prison, uh, to essentially, you know, uh, all the political parties sitting down and negotiating and talking about what a new country would look like uh, to eventually having elections and then establishing a new constitution. So it was a time, it was a time of like massive uncertainty. It was a time of like disruption, obviously of the status quo, massive changes happening, like literally every week, something changed, right? To bring this home to folks. Like I went to school and I was a young man when this happened. We went through a period of time when the country didn't have a flag. Okay. Let that sink in for a second. Yeah. Yeah. That is so, yeah. You don't have a flag. Imagine you're living in the United States and then all of a sudden, like there's a school flag, but there's no national, there's no flag of your country. So that's what I mean by uncertainty, disruption, change, chaos. I mean, we literally were on the edge of a civil war then too. Um, it was like, you know, experiencing that as a young man, I was comfortable being uncomfortable 
Because literally, since I was like 12 years old, I didn't know anything other than being like in a world where you don't know what's going on, <laughs> you yeah. know? So bringing that into to, to kind of uh, like today, I just wanted to share that. That's how I, you know, we've, we've helped a lot of people during the past three years because we can connect to that. But the, back to your question, what did I do before that? Came here in 2001 from South Africa. Um, I traveled and played sports here. Um, and I was kind of one of those nerdy guys on the sports bus replying that read on history and economics and, you know, finance and that kind of stuff. Uh, while I was playing sports, I did some consulting, but I, then I also worked in real estate for a friend because, um, you know, I was playing in, I guess, in a, in a league that could be considered semi-professional. Um, you couldn't hold a full-time job doing what I was doing. I was traveling all the time, playing in different cities all over the United States and, and sometimes international too. So, um, you know, I was working for a friend in real estate. That's how I saw the inside of a business, how real estate works. Um, I took some of the money that I made playing sports, bought my first property, real estate property. That was actually around 2002. Um, after I paid all of the expenses associated um, with it, after I put tenants in there, it was cash flowing. I'm like, holy cow. I read Robert K. Saki's book about rich dad, poor dad, and he talked about cash flow. And, I, and I'm like, I read the book, took action. This is cash flow. Um, and then I also started to figure out through this friend of mine that, uh, that was born into a very wealthy family. They have a huge real estate empire. But I started to, to kind of like see like what they were doing inside of their, their family because they ran it like a family office, which is like uh, yeah. a wealth firm that manages the, 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 um, the money of a, of a family. And that's when I started to realize that this family is literally a bank. And I learned the, the banking concept of how to become your own banker, which led me to, you know, the Nelson Nash Institute and developing a relationship with the late, great Nelson Nash. Uh, he was a mentor of mine. Um, and, you know, then just learning the real estate game from my friend at that stage, seeing that, you know, I was really, I had that mindset of, you know, I'm going to crush it. I'm going to find something. I'm going to do this and build this. But I started to realize through that process that, you know, it's better to do things together with folks um, and, and especially partnering with cash flow ninjas because you can't compete with them. Weekend warriors can't compete with them. Those guys, like, for example, him and his friend, they own the market on the north side of the city of Chicago. Nothing moved without those guys knowing about it in real estate. So instead of like trying to compete with those guys, which would be impossible, um, how do you partner with them? And how do you do things together as a group? And everybody brings their skill sets, their talents, their unique abilities to the table. And then you partner with, with those folks. So I realized I had to, de de to develop myself and learn skill sets, um, which then, you know, I did some, some consulting and then I just took the, you know, for a couple of years. And then I just took basically the leap of starting several businesses. Most of them were failures. And then I started to do pretty well with, uh, with the one business. And then all of a sudden, you know, the one thing led to another. That business was blown up. Then I started a podcast and, you know, yeah. <laughs> fast forward the next six years. Here we go. You know, Dude, um, yeah, no, it's, it's incredible, man. And so I, I want to, cause I know in your book, I think it's 17, you talk about the 17, obviously there's more than that, but I think it's the top 17 cash flowing um, or, or ways to do cash flow investing. Oh, 21. Yeah. 20, oh, the 21 based cash flow niches. And I added five as bonuses, but 26 oh. is not good marketing. You know, no, no, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> okay. So, I want to talk about those, but um, what are your thoughts uh, on like what we're going through now? Because actually what you started with, 
I, I love that you started there because that was like chaos and uncertain times. And I think for some people in the US, like I'm 30 right now. And besides like the COVID thing that happened, which I would say most people would say that was kind of like, it was a big crash, but it was very short, you know? Yep. So like this actually, I would consider, and I know 2008 happened, but I was like, what was I? I was like 12 or something. I don't know. I was like 14, something like that. So too young. So this is like the first big, what a lot of people um, that I trust in are saying like, Hey, the next few years, whether it's uh, six months or it's five years, whatever it is, um, is going to be a time that's going to be good to have some cash and to be buying stuff because things are going to be on sale. So what is your like strategy or what are your thoughts on the next few years? Cause it's definitely uncertain times. Yeah, no, absolutely. So my, I will share this, you know, what, what we're in the process of is a slow collapse. And people are like, what do you, what do you mean? Um, you know, most of your listeners have probably heard about the concept of the Great Reset, <clears throat> which was a conspiracy theory until the World Economic Forum literally published books about it and can't stop talking about it. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> you know, they're telling you <laughs> the Great Reset. Um, they also talk about the Fourth Industrial Revolution, the same groups, the, the people out of Davos. It's, it's funny that... You know, in the past, people were always like, you know, is there somebody that runs the world? Who's they? You know, it's like this crazy conspiracy, the conspiratorial kind of mindset. It's like, no, literally, they're in Davos. It's the World Economic Forum. They're literally telling you this is what's going on. This is what's happening. And this is where it's all going. So which is kind of nice because it takes the guesswork out of it. Right. So we're in a controlled collapse. The systems are resetting. So what people don't, this is what they need to understand. This is going to be different than 2008. This is going to be different than your mom and your dad's crashes that they went through. I still remember the one in 2000, the the tech one, right? I literally, I was in college when that still happened, but I still remember that. And that was brutal for a lot of folks. Um, you know, so this is not your mom and your dad's crash. This is also not your grandpa and your grandmother's crash. Uh, this is literally a reset of systems. And what the folks out of Davos that talk about the grace reset is telling you is that the systems and processes that, that, and structures that we have taken for granted our entire lives is in the process of collapsing, you know, so years and that they're telling you that, okay, that's not me. That's literally the, fo- the thing to, I mean, you could look this up. Uh, there are videos talking about this, Mr., uh, Mr. Klaus Schwab and all of the leaders and so forth. So they're telling you, hey, the Great Reset is happening. System structures, processes that you've taken for granted your entire life is in the process of collapsing. There'll be new ones taking their place. So what systems? The financial system and the monetary system is one of them. Huge. The health system. Uh, the way that... Um, the food system is, is huge. Um, the way the, the economy itself, right? And that's where the fourth industrial revolution comes in, which is this technological revolution, which they talk about, again, not me saying, they're talking about uh, 5G, the internet of things, you know, not just the connecting people to the internet or the uh, being connected on the web, but things being connected, smartphones, smart cars, smart, you know, things in your house. So what does that have to do with an economy? That's massively disrupting, right? 
So just think about it. You've got 5G, you've got the internet of things, you've got 3D printing, you've got all these. I mean, I, I had surgery last year, a robot did the surgery. The doctor was lit literally sitting with a mouse clicking on the side, you know, like it was <laughs> I'm like mind what? blown, right? <laughs> like mind blown. But yeah. this is where we are already. So just think we will be five years from now, 10 years. So again, people get doomy and gloomy about this stuff. I get really exciting. And like I get excited because I'm like, I remember like the internet revolution and it was the same doom and gloomers that said, oh my gosh, it's going to destroy all of the jobs and nobody's going to have any work. What are we going to do with all these people, all these companies that are going to be closed? Da, 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 da. Same kind of crowd was back in 2000. I remember out of college, they go, there's not going to be any jobs for anyone. The internet's going to take over everything. The internet created some of the biggest opportunities of our lifetime to build businesses and do the things like we're doing right now, right? So anyway, so that's some of the systems that are being reset. I mean, it's in the process. Now, this happening has massive consequences in the environment that business owners and investors have to operate in. So this, ha this happening right now, by the way, one of the other systems that I didn't sh share was energy, how that's going to change. And, that, and we're seeing that already, right? We're seeing the changes in energy. We're seeing the changes in food, that kind of stuff. Um, but all these things changing have consequences because, mm -hmm. you know, Grant Cardone, like probably a lot of your folks have, have, have known of him. What a marketer. But Grant says we, we live on an economic planet. <laughs> We don't live on a, he goes, it's not a political planet. It's an economical planet, but it manifests itself politically because of the things that happen in the economy. Mm. That is very well put. That's exactly the, 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 the chaos that you're going to see, because there's going to be a lot of people that don't understand what's going on because they watch CNN, Fox, MSNBC, you know, all of the, the fake news kind of like outlets, most media platforms is just, it's not even informing people. It's misinforming people. So yeah. they're not going to see any of this stuff coming because people are not talking about this like the two of us on any of these platforms. They're like, do you think we're in a recession? I think maybe, well, you know, well, we changed the definition. Yeah, this is the, crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is what they're talking about. They're not going to see any of this stuff. So, you know, where it leads to where we are right now, I just wanted to set the table. Big picture, massive, massive changes. They're telling you it's coming. It's already happening. We're already starting to see the energy stuff. We're ready to start to see with food. You're going to see more and more chaos with food, by the way, coming in the next couple of months. Um, you're going to see stuff happening in the world financial system, which essentially, and the monetary system, which is debt-based. We're at the end of a super debt cycle. Like, we, can't, we cannot get out of this mess. You're going to have to reset it and start over. They're already telling you to get excited about central bank digital currencies. That's the solution that they're going to offer you. So you got all this stuff coming. Where, and, and I just wanted to give a big picture. So where are we now? Back to the, are we in a recession? Could we be in a recession? Well, they changed the definition like the, the idiot. I mean, the, 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 the conversation that they're, the narratives out there. I mean, it's, it's literally like uh, Idiocracy, the movie Idiocracy. Um, you know, one of the first things that I would say, somebody asked me the other day, are we in a recession? I said, you know what? The first thing is the numbers that it doesn't matter because this is how, you know, I, I can't think of another word perverse it is. G the typical definition right before, of course, this administration that all the definitions are changing. 
it just it's not just a political comment it's all of them they're all <laughs> in the same club and we ain't in it um <laughs> but essentially um typically they said two uh quarters of negative gdp growth yeah but GD the gdp that they mentioned uh, that they measure is based on spending not on producing and creating stuff like that's an actual economy that that's how perverse it is because they change the united states is one i mean what a powerhouse the u.s were like like from around world war ii like and after that that's why the u.s was a global superpower that's why they got awarded the world reserve currency status in 1944 at the Bretton woods agreement because the u.s there was no war fought on the mainland you know yes they were attacked at pearl harbor in hawaii but essentially the u.s produced and created so much stuff to the rest of the world that everyone started developing trade deficits with the U.S. Because the U.S. just produced goods and services and eventually soldiers to the war front. And back in those days, you had to settle trade deficit with gold. So all of the gold ended up at Fort Knox and in the Federal Reserve. And, you know, he who has the gold makes the rules. That's just how the world works, right? So the U.S. ended up being this massive, massive superpower because they could produce and create stuff. And they, of course, had a massive military that was you know, held basically in esteem as invincible up until I would say the past 12 months. Um, but essentially, like that's when you look at recession. Yeah, I mean, we're already in it. Um, we, I would argue and say that if we're going to look back, because most people are not going to see uh, coming what I just share with you, all these disruptions, the changes, the, the massive chaos you know, which gonna, it, it's going to manifest itself in society politically. You already see that, the haves versus the have-not. Get those rich guys, you know, oh, the poor guys are too lazy to work, that kind of nonsense, which is just narratives. Um, that's how it's going to manifest itself. But essentially, we're going to look back 10, 15 years from now and say, man, that was the greatest depression of the 2020s. Because if you think about it, if you really look at the numbers, and I don't, I mean, if you torture data enough, it confesses. Let me just preface that. So anybody can get whatever they want out of data, the way that they frame it and the way that they position it. But if you even look at like small business figures that they put out, I mean, the past two years of this disruptive economy have, have, have literally destroyed small businesses. Uh, there was a survey that was just put out to them where it was almost like half of them didn't even know that they would be in business six months from now. So they've really, really suffered, which, and that, that employs, by the way, 70% of your workforce, small businesses used to anyway. Wow. So, yeah. So is it a, is it a recession? I, I would argue it's, it's a depression already for some folks, right? There are people that can't afford their rents. There are people that can't afford, you know, basic necessities because you're in an environment too, where we've had a massive, massive inflation of the currency all over the world, but in the US too which then has two outcomes. When you, when you have inflation, two things happen. Asset inflation. So people that have stuff, they see the prices of everything go up. Oh, my real estate went up. Oh, my stock portfolio. All of the, my, you know, the, the things that I own have gone up. But on the other end of the spectrum, you also see price inflation. Now, price inflation is you know, um, folks see everything that they need to survive skyrocket in price. So think about it. On the, on the opposite side of the spectrum, right? Yes, you because you, the media just focuses on, you know, shiny things kind of, 
um, and, and paints, paints this picture that everything is, is fine and dandy. Look, inflation's only 9.1%, right? But if you actually calculate it the way that it was calculated before the, the, date, the data got tortured and the shenanigans started at 17.1, according to John Williams with Shadow Stats. And co Congress just gave all of their lawyers and their staffers a 21% pay uh, increase. So it's probably closer to 25 if they gave them 21% increase. But so the folks that buy rent, buy food, clothes, they're already in a depression. Yeah. I mean, they're already they already have to make decisions. Do I pay my rent and do I eat or what, what do I do? We're on the other side of, of course of the economy, it's not. So um, that's kind of what's going on right now. What I what what I we're sort of I mean, and at the time of recording, it, yes, we're in a collapse, controlled because you know it, it it all depends how how hard you want the landing to be, and that's why I say these folks are trying to slowly just bring it down instead of just letting it all fall like a house of cards um, by their own admission. That's not me saying they're telling you this is what's going on. You know, talking about the, the, the great reset. Um, but I'll say this. Once you understand the environment, you understand the dangers and you understand what's actually going on. There's another side of this. And it's a side of opportunities of a lifetime for people. I mean, if you live right now and you're on, you know, I'm a little bit older than you. So I'm 40, 43 right now. But if you're like in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, I, I mean, it is an opportunity of a lifetime, of a lifetime to um, build incredible, incredible businesses, uh, to build incredible wealth. Just think of the, if you read history, um, you know, and, and, and look at what happened in, in times of similar to this, this is going to be much worse than what happens, what happened in the 20s and the 30s. You know, in my opinion, that's, a, that's my, my, my take, my opinion. Um, but if you look at what happened there, there were fortunes created during that time that we still might, you know, know the names of all the, the families. You look at businesses and buildings still has their names on it. So we're going to have the same opportunity available. I, did, I didn't mention 60 and 70 year, year olds. There's going to be different challenges for folks in those groups because the social contract, here's another thing that the news is not going to tell you. The social contract essentially has been broken in the sense that these pensions that folks thought that they were going to have, it's all gone. It's gone. The money's not there. Kiyosaki, Robert Kiyosaki wrote a book, Who Stole My Pension? That was a book, I think, two years ago that came out. That was a, that, yeah, a must read for anyone that want, wanted to understand what was going on with pensions. And that's a whole podcast by itself. But the short is the money's gone. Whether it's corporations, whether it's federal pensions, whether it's state, whether it's local, it's gone. Um, and folks don't know that yet because who, in the political climate right now, who's going to come out and say, all right, we know we made this prom these promises to you, but it's, we, we don't have the money. So, you know, you can either inflate it, you can cut it, or, I mean, you could just hope for, essentially hope for the best. But there will still be opportunities for them to. I'm just saying they're going to be in a much tougher position because essentially when you start with a little or some where you don't have anything, you, I mean, the world is your oyster, 
But when you've worked your whole life, essentially, and you thought that something was going to happen and now it's not happening, it's going to be much, much tougher because initially that'll be, there, there'll be a massive blow first. So, so a couple of questions for you there. So, and uh, for people listening, regardless of how you feel about this guy, I think he seems, I'm not talking about you. Um, he seems to be accurate a lot of times, like where I heard the great reset, I, I watch Alex Jones a lot. Um, he is, he can be doom and gloom, but like, you know, it seems to be pretty freaking accurate. So that's all I'll say about that. Um, and that's where I did first hear about the great reset. So like, uh, first question is, do you think like the people you're talking about in Davos and stuff, is it like when I watch Alex Jones, it seems that he's, he feels it's bad intentions they have. Right. And because I've been watching that, my bias would be, I agree, but do you think it is, also something that it's kind of an inevitable thing like the great reset almost has to happen or is it not like what are your thoughts on that and then i want to ask you like what you're doing to actually like take advantage of this opportunity because that's people like patrick bet david and stuff that's what they've been saying they're like yo yes this is going to be turbulent but yep. this is this will take you from if you have a hundred grand in the bank, you'll have a million at the end of this if you do it right. If you have a million, yep. you'll end, and it's a way to ten x your wealth literally um, if you put your or allocate your funds accurately. So, but first, bad intentions or inevitable or both? <laughs> I know that's a great question. So the first thing is that I would say is uh, first of all, it was inevitable. I mean, how long could this go on? Everybody thought that this was kind of over by like 2010. I remember, you know, uh, when I really, really started to study and understand the world financial system and the world monetary system, essentially a lot of people were saying this can't go past 2010. Like, how is it possible? Like trillions of dollars are owed. I mean, if you, you could uh, type in a, in a search engine, like world, um, you know, total world debt or something like it'll blow your mind. Like go to U.S. Uh, uh, debt, uh, um, type in U.S. debt clock or something. Oh, I've heard um, of it. Yeah. And you'll see all the money that's owed. So it's like we're at the end of this. So was it inevitable? Yes. I would say, I mean, it was a debt-based monetary system. All these debt-based monetary system essentially ends in chaos. You know, it's like, think about it. In the old days, people would put golds with goldsmiths, right? And they would give them certificates. And all of a sudden, goldsmiths figured out that people started trading the gold certificates with each other in an economy, and nobody you know, came back to claim the gold. So they're like, oh, we'll just issue more gold certificates than the gold that we have. So if you've a run on the gold, then essentially, I mean, <laughs> there's not <laughs> enough gold to give to everyone. Um, so that's kind of like the origination of that practice. Now, fast forwarded to today, and I, I, I mentioned that this could potentially happen in crypto, and people laughed at me. Oh, this will never happen. That's exactly what happened in the exchanges. That's why they're all going bust. The same kind of thing. If you have a crypto exchange and you go, oh, well, I only have a, you know, we, we have a certain amount of Bitcoins, let's just say. And we figure out that of all the people that buy Bitcoin on our exchange, only nine, like only like 10% pull it off the exchange. They all leave it on there. What would you do? Well, an honest person would say, that's great. Let's be good custodians and stewards of their capital. But that's not, <laughs> that's not how it works in, in the real world. In the real world, it goes, we're going to sell more Bitcoin than what we actually have. And if there's a run on it, we'll just shut down the exchange. Hey, that happened, by the way. So it's like a virtual bank run. That's why they're all going under, most of them. Some of them will survive, 
you know, and crypto as a whole will survive and blockchain will survive. All that stuff will do, do fine, but you're going to have a, a weed out. So the same thing, back to your question. Yes, this is a weed out in the same way that this debt system, which has failed, there's been many experiments. It all fails. There's a weed out and there's a new system that, that essentially comes about. Now, do they have bad intention? If you study empires I mean, and the decline of empires, they all have, have similar stages. And I believe we're towards the end stages now where it's looting. This is essentially where the insiders know that the empire is about to collapse and they loot the treasury, they loot the assets, they get everything. It's now every man, every man and woman for themselves. Yeah. Um, and if you see what's happening, you know, that's why you have perpetual wars. I mean, Julian Assange is sitting in prison for telling people this, that it's money, it was money laundering that essentially the looting phase began in the early 2000s, and it's now ramping up like we've never seen. I mean, look at the money that's been sent to, to, the, to the Ukraine war, for example, which ends up with US weapon contractors, which all these Davos crowds have interested and own the companies and that kind of stuff. So bad intentions, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I would say it's not just the, the bad intentions, it's the looting. But Another thing that I also share with bad intentions is by their deeds, you shall know them. Okay. That's just by their deeds, you shall know them. So I, I sometimes look at what people have done. Like who locks down, who tries to lock, lock down the entire countries, make them stay in their houses, uh, shut down small businesses, the livelihood of folks. Uh, and then, you know, uh, keeps their competitors, big giant corporations open, which essentially sucks away their competition. That's what that was. It was yep. a complete hit job, you know, and that's not, again, this is not a theory. It's not a theory. You, we all saw it happen. You couldn't go to church and couldn't go to your small business, but you could shop at Costco and Target and, and Walmart, right? We all saw it happen. It's not a theory that happened. Yeah. Uh, so who would do that? Who would then, you know, regardless of what your, your thought is like on the medical, the medical debate and that kind of stuff, if you're living in a free society, like you can't force people to do things just to, just to participate in society again. I mean, pick up a history book. That you're, it's not the good guys that do that. <laughs> it's usually the really, really bad guys that do that. Yeah. Um, but they painted themselves as good guys again. So again, is this nefarious? By the deeds, you shall know them. My opinion is there's a lot of nefariousness here because look at what they what what they've done. Look at what they keep doing. Um, it, you know, the fear, right? You can drive humans by fear. They did the same thing in South Africa when I grew up. I saw this all when I was a kid, and a young man lived through all of this stuff. You can make people do anything when you when you scare the, the living daylights out of them. I was just recently, I took a trip um, to visit a friend and I got on the airplane and all of a sudden when I was flying, like the Thursday, it was fine. The Sunday I got on an airplane and a third of the plane was mosque. And I'm like, oh, I haven't watched the news probably for like five or four or five days. But if I scroll through, they're probably scaring the daylights out of people again over something. And yeah. wouldn't you have it? I turn it on and it's a scare, 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 fear, 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 fear. And I'm like, it's, it's not hard. So yeah, I would say nefarious. So what can people do to put them on the right side? Let's talk solutions. You know, yeah. I would say here's the biggest thing, right? During this time is have a strategy 
Shocker. Have a strategy. <laughs> but what does the strategy entail? So I talk, you know, one of my, my mantras is what survives hard times? Hard, hard people and hard assets. Hard people and hard assets. So um, when you think about from a strategy, the first thing is you start with yourself. Your mind is going to be your most important asset. I mean, you're your most important asset, but you have to be mentally, physically, and spiritually as strong as you've ever been in your life. Like from a mindset standpoint, you know, there's a Chinese proverb, and I butcher quotes and proverbs all the time, but it's essentially rather be a, a warrior in the garden than a gardener at war, something to that effect. I've heard right? that. Um, and it's and it's the uh, the U.S. military. You know, certain sections of them talk about parabellum, the concept of parabellum, uh, which is if you if you want a peace, prepare for war. Essentially, that's the type of mindset that you need to have. Um, you want to have a renegade mindset. Don't believe anything that you're seeing out there. You know, um, uh, I would say uh, source your sources. Read widely. I read a ton of stuff, but I don't believe anything. I form my own opinion and my own conclusion, and I try to bring stuff to, together, right? So that's the first thing. Get in the best shape of your life. Uh, you're not going to survive what's coming if you're overweight, lazy, you know, uh, and depressed. Get some sun. Get out. Get exercise. Um, and then connect with your creator. Um, then I would also say, like, a big thing to do too is on a daily ritual, like have thinking time. Like what I do is I have a, a, a framework that I work through. I call it a reset framework, which I built. Um, and what I then do is I look at it and I look at, identify dangers to myself, my family, my businesses, my investments. Then after that, I look at the opportunities that exist in that framework. There's so much opportunities. Then I start to look at what skill sets I have and, and who else has those skill sets to help me execute on some of these opportunities. The next thing that you need to have is a community, common unity, community, a community of like-minded people. And they don't have to just be in your, in your, like your neighbor. They could be all over the place now with the tools, the tools that we have, but have like-minded people. And what I mean by like-minded people is not echo chambers. It's people that have the same values that you have, the same principles, the same belief systems that, also own their own outcomes, they're responsible, um, and they're preparing. Um, and they're preparing for, for chaos. Um, if, and again, if it doesn't happen, <laughs> you would have, you're still going to be well off. Then, on the, on the, then it becomes your business and investment. So from a, from a business opportunity, look at the challenges that people have and the problems. There's so many right now. I can't even, and that's another thing I write down every day. What are the 10 things that people are struggling with right now? And what, what of those things can I actually help them with? You know, here's one of the things that I was thinking about the other day, just to throw out ideas for folks. You, and, and there's already a guy capitalizing on this trend. I see this trend of privacy because everything is out there. Nothing is private. Everything is recorded. Everything is... I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy if you think about it. We could really get matrix on this, but it's kind of crazy. <laughs> so um, so th there's already a person that have developed a system, and he's written a book about this, of essentially how to reprivatize your life and not be tracked and traced and recorded and like all this kind of stuff. Now, people would say, 
why is this why would this be important to anyone hey remember that what are the the tracking that they had the con, uh, contact trace contact tracing yeah. that kind of stuff yeah. oh yeah yeah that kind of some people don't like to be <laughs> tracked and traced <laughs> like like you know who we tracked and traced in south africa as a young boy growing up deer that we hunted <laughs> that's not a good feeling to be tracked in trice um so anyway so there's a there's a trend for you but just think about it there's so many like if you're young right and you know cryptocurrencies and blockchain you know how many people don't you know how many people don't know anything about the privacy cryptos that you can educate them i mean there's projects where um that they're going to solve the solution of money right because bitcoin is an open ledger it's essentially an excel sheet on the internet that you can if you can figure out someone's address you know where the money's coming from and who the money's coming to or the money's going to it's not private there's privacy projects um how about uh smart contracts which will be, will be built on ethereum let's say well i can guarantee you weapons contractors and big pharma and all these people are not going to put smart contracts on a blockchain which is public <laughs> publicly available and viewable to everyone so there's already smart contracts on privacy platforms so anyway nobody knows anything about this i know enough just to be dangerous i'm not an expert in that but i can see how that type of stuff is going to be huge so um you know food oh my goodness you know who's killing it right now uh, the people in my network just and by killing it meaning like very successful in their businesses is all these folks that just started homesteading and basically recording what they're doing how they're growing their food what they tried how they cuz it's like ah. look if I just started it where do we even start right yeah. but there's a guy that he's like hey here's what we're doing we bought this piece of land we built this house this is the what we did the first couple of of weeks and it's like he, like they're crushing it they're absolutely i mean just think about that niche because that in the food disruption there's going to be people that want to eat great organic healthy food they don't want to eat bugs like which is basically <laughs> to us now yeah. you know they're really pushing it when the celebrities are coming out i know dude it's bad. <laughs> so anyway um again not my opinion just i mean yeah. <laughs> it's it's no, out I'm... there <laughs> so there's huge huge opportunities and then as an investor here are some of the things that i would say from a strategy because the big thing is protect capital and then build capital you're going to need cash and that's why I love Patrick that David I love the stuff that Patrick puts out you're going to need cash you want cash be very careful where you put cash and people would say MC but the money's losing value uh but all that kind of stuff you're going to need cash in a deflationary economy which we're already seeing a lot of deflation coming in because people are starting to realize hey it's a recession and probably more more likely a depression um you're going to see assets come down significantly in value and you want to have cash to capitalize on that we have a strategy that folks can check out at your own banking system we were as an insurance companies mutual insurance companies outside of stock markets they've been around pre civil war some of them and those folks have been great custodians great stewards of capital that is where a lot of the family offices the ultra wealthy corporations and banks are actually putting money right now um cash you need to have then the second thing is what survives monetary resets real money gold and silver you have to have some exposure to gold and silver again it doesn't matter what it's going to be priced in when the new system comes in but if you have it you have something that's physical that you can touch that's been money for centuries 
Um, so you have that portion of it. Then a cash flow portfolio. I wrote a book called The 21 Best Cash Flow Niches because I believe you need diversified income streams. If you're only in single family and that's where you're getting your checks from, you could get screwed. If you're only in multifamily, if you only have one stream of income, if it's only your business, if it's within your business, try to add more streams. If it's a physical business, add a digital uh, side to it. Like figure out how do I take my business and add more streams of just what I already have. Then you look at other cash flow uh, streams of businesses that would survive and do well that you could potentially invest in or assets that you can invest in. Um, and then on the growth side, the fourth area is look at bottlenecks, areas of asymmetry, because the speculators, you know, there's savers, there's investors, there's speculators, and there's gamblers. A speculator takes advantage of politically distorted uh, situations in a marketplace. So what do I mean by that? Energy. See what they did to energy? They're literally, if, if a dinosaur can be connected to it, they're cutting it off. So what does that do? There's only four sources that, that, that the, the world can actually be powered right now, that can produce enough supply for the demand that exists. And that's oil, that's natural gas, that's nuclear and that's coal. But these are all like, I mean, it's literally ex expletives that I'm telling you right now to the majority of the public, but that powers the entire planet. Great with for solar, you could do it on your personal residence. Great for wind, it can work in certain situations. Hydroelectric uh, 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 like projects are great, but guess what? Guess what? You can't power an entire world on that. It just, you don't have the infrastructure yet. It could take 10, 15 years for it. Now, reasonable people with non-nefarious agendas would say, let's build out this infrastructure. Then we transition over from, you know, the fossil fuels to the green or non-nefarious people. Nefarious people would just cut it off and say, we're calling this a transitioning period. And then essentially they take it over. Uh, and now there's not enough energy. And that's what we're starting to see already. Now, how do you make money in that? That's a huge speculative opportunity for folks because you're going to see the price of oil continue to go up. So instead of complaining about your gas prices going up, you're actually going to just be on the right side of this because it's going to go there anyway, folks. It's not going to stop. So how can you trade the oil in that, the natural gas how can you trade the uranium? And folks that have already traded that stuff has made fortunes already over the past, uh, past 12 months. There's other, by the way, opportunities just like the energy, the food one. Oh, my goodness. You look at the fertilizer market, the war in U Ukraine, essentially, uh, with Russia in in invading Ukraine. What's kind of comical about this is you're boycotting the sanctions, you know, and, and I'm meaning it like in a like not a funny way. It's just the the. You have to be either very, very evil. You can't be that stupid to put sanctions on a country that produces so much oil and natural gas and all these commodities that are used to make other things like fertilizer, which is used in farming to grow food. So food is a great, there's a great play on the food side, in the agri, agri side. There's a great play in base metals. You know, Jim Rogers' biggest position, one of his biggest positions uh, is copper because of the electrical vehicles. Instead of buying Tesla shares, he invests in copper because it's going to be used by you know, all these electrical companies to build the, to build the batteries. Um, so pick your market. There's these uh, asymmetric opportunities for investors where all you have to do is see where capital is moving to. 
and then position yourself there to where it's coming, you know, by, by using common sense, you know, and I talk a lot about ide ideological investing versus like the physical reality investing. So if you look at what, like from a physical reality, one plus one equals two, um, kind of like what's going on, you can position yourself there and you can make a fortune. Again, I'm very excited about these times that we're living in. I think uh, we it's incredible to be alive. Don't get sucked into the doomy and the gloomy stuff, you know? Um, there's a time, see it for what it is and just accept it. And then, all right, this is it. This is the environment that I'm in. These are the dangers, but here's the plethora of opportunities. And this way you'll be able to take care of yourself, your family, your businesses, and your investments. Dude, incredible, man. That is a mic drop right there. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. I know you got a, a run. So uh, last thing is just uh, let us know where people can stay in contact, like website, social media. Um, and yeah, again, appreciate you coming on. No, appreciate it. So cashflowninja.com is where everything's at. CashflowNinja.com. Uh, what we'll do is if folks want to stay in touch too with us, they could sign up for our newsletter at CashflowNinja.com forward slash subscribe because we are all over social media, but you never know. I mean, uh, you know how the, crazy the world is and what you can and cannot say. I mean, you might be banned in a couple, couple of months for saying we're in a depression, you know, or a recession even, you know, in our field. So uh, just check us out at cashflowninja.com, sign up for our newsletter, and you'll be informed of everything that we share, all our episodes that we publish it, where we publish it, uh, and stay in touch. Because um, we, I mean, we put out things on a weekly basis that we think is important for business owners and investors and how you could put yourself on the right side of this chaos. You know, it could be the worst of times or it could be the best of times. I'm going to uh, live through this time and, 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 and approach it from a sense of adventure you know, and, and look at it as an obstacle course, right? That you have to go through. It's going to be tough, but hard people and hard assets, they're, they're going to be on the right side of this. Perfect, man. Thank you again. Thank you.